Hey guys, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is Josh, JCL Felto, uh, and I'm going to be doing uh, some episodes here this week. Uh, it is the week of March 23rd, 2020, and as the world turns with this pandemic that is coronavirus, uh, and as the United States, where I live, continuously comes out with new plans, ever-evolving plans to deal with the coronavirus outbreak, uh, I find myself a little more time than usual at least to do things like this. Uh, so I'm going to try to take advantage of those um, as far as content is concerned because I know there's probably a lot of people that, not just because they have more time, but because they're probably looking to digital outlets and other places to possibly get information or just maintain a sense of sanity uh, as this whole thing continues to play out. So here's me trying to be productive in the midst of uh, everything else that's going on. Uh, here in uh, the great of USA. So this episode, as the title implies, is talking about art and specifically the broad range of art. So, you know, we're talking painting, sculpting, writing, any form of literature, really, and I'll get into that. And whether or not art is valuable in a crisis such as this, uh, do we still feel that creative measures, expressions, are they still valuable to us? Do they give us any kind of sense of comfort or perhaps they fulfill some sort of need? Uh, because as of right now, as I'm sure many Americans and people across the world are, are feeling, there are a lot of material needs that really need to be met right now, such as food or even shelter, uh, financial needs, uh, uh, medical needs and resources are needed. So does art, is, is that something that we see as being of the utmost importance in a crisis such as this. So that's the focus of this episode. So thanks for tuning in with me. Let's get right into it then. So make no mistake about it, there are people that are struggling to figure out when their next meal might come because of this just in insidious, uh, crazy pandemic that's that's gripping the nation and the world. And I, I don't want to keep repeating myself on that, but I think it's very much imperative that I do because as much as some folks are probably not feeling this as much, whether they're federal government workers or they're folks that are part of the quote-unquote essential businesses uh, that are going to work and maybe even working remotely, there's a sense of peace there for those folks that they have the ability to get up in the morning and complete their routines uh, without a lot of blockage perhaps happening in their life. Whereas a lot of folks could have two-person households or maybe just a single-person household. And there's all kinds of dynamics there where uh, they're laid off or they are without work and uh, they don't know if they're going to be coming back anytime soon. And there's this stimulus package that's sort of uh, floating in the, in, the, uh, in the ether somewhere that apparently is going to get passed hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully by the time I release this episode that stimulus bill is going to come out to help out all the Americans in the middle class and, and any class below that really to help them get through these next few weeks. But again, I, I'm always kind of the eternal optimist. I'm always pretty, uh, you know, pretty hopeful when these kinds of things happen, even if though under the surface, I have a little bit of angst myself and doing things like this are very much a way of me of coping with stress, which is exactly the, the topic of, Today's episode, uh, I thought it was a good idea to talk about 
just art and writing and story and other kinds of expression and whether or not these kinds of things can really be viewed as being valuable in a moment such as this when we're faced with a crisis, uh, a global pandemic uh, that has affected, I think the count is more than 100 some countries at this point that have been affected by this COVID-19 and the stoppage of things. Because if there's one thing that we have to come to grips with in our lifetime, it's that we ultimately do need material resources to survive, right? Like we, we, we do need food. We need sustenance. We need shelter. Okay. We do need companionship. Okay. There are some physical, tangible, material needs that every single one of us have to get in order to lead a semi-prosperous life. That's fact. Okay. That's just something that's fact. I mean, I know there's two guarantees in life. There's an old cliche, pay taxes and, and die or something like that. But in in this sense, when you're facing something like this, those other things that I mentioned are, are of the utmost importance. So where does that leave something like art? Okay, because a painting can't fill your belly and a well-written story can't bring a homeless man or a homeless woman off the street and uh, you know a brilliant sculpture or a handmade item out of wood or you know bronze or steel or whatever it is, those kinds of things can't, at the end of the day, give anyone the kinds of things that are just sort of basic necessities. So are those things inherently valuable to us anyway? I mean, is, is art even valuable in times when we face things such as this? Uh, so I want to unpack this for this episode. And, and I don't even know if this is something that's been on anyone's radar. I mean, me as a creative person... I naturally have a bit of a bent to think about these kinds of things, not because I think, oh no, the well is drying up for me because I'm a creative person and people aren't going to buy my books and they're not going to read my stories or listen to my podcast, but it does make one reflect a bit on, you know, what are some things that I'm contributing as a creative to the overall story and narrative and and uh, just, I guess, the the levels of encouragement that could be there for people. And that's also part of what I'm, I'm getting at today uh, in this episode. So let's unpack this, right? So one primer question I think also to, to do with this and sort of look at a bit is, can we say that art is only enjoyable and valuable when other resources are plentiful? And I think that's a rather fair question to ask to kind of start this off. And, and here, are some, here are some thoughts on that. Art, as it, as it turns out, uh, is truly subjective in some way. Okay. You could look at a painting and one person could say, that is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen in my entire life. It is, it is gorgeous. It beautifully captures everything about XYZ place or XYZ person or XYZ feeling. And it's exquisite. It's one of a kind. It's worth $20 million, right? Like it's, it's worth so much money, like a Van Gogh painting or, you know, the Mona Lisa, you know, things like that. But then you could have another person walk up to that same painting and look at it and just say, this has no value to me whatsoever. I think it's stupid. It takes up space on my wall if I were to have it. Uh, I wouldn't pay more than 10 bucks for that thing, right? Like, I, I, I just don't understand the value in it. There's no value to me to have that painting on my wall. It just doesn't mean anything. And this is truly where the value of art starts to reveal itself in times of crisis is when resources are low and when the things that we basically need to survive food shelter you know companionship 
you know, tangible resources to help put in our, uh, put in our bellies. Can we rely upon a painting to get us to where we need to be? Now you could argue, I could sell my painting for, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 bucks or whatever it is to somebody who's affluent and who's made lots of money and I can take that money and then I can use it to buy all my, my basic necessities. Sure. You could, you could take that and run with it and make that your argument. But if everybody's poor, if everybody is sitting around going, what are we supposed to do? And, you know, this is a situation where I don't know where my next check is coming from and I don't know how I'm going to be able to buy groceries or whatever it is. Uh, you know, what good is it then to have 12 paintings that were worth how much, you know, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 sitting in your room when no one can buy it from you, right? Like no one can buy this piece of art from you uh, at all. Now, do I think art is still valuable even though other resources are not plentiful? Sure, of course I do, okay? Because there's, there's things in my life that are, uh, that, were, that were made by other people or that I cling to even in times of peril because I think they have worth, right? You know, for, so for instance, uh, you know, like a few books that I own, I hoard those pretty, pretty much to myself, you know, because I think they have value, you know, like for instance, the Bible. The Bible is extremely important to me. You know, I want to make sure that's one of the first things on my list other than my family when I'm exiting a fire. You know, if it was a fire in my home, you know, I want to make sure I get that. I mean, you could always go get another one, but I, I want to make sure that I have that on my list. Uh, of course, below again, my, my family. All right. I want to make sure that's, that's very clear here for this episode, but, but again, the value of the art, the value of the expression, the writing, the story, whatever it is, it varies from person to person. It varies, uh, depending upon who you talk to. Uh, you know, I, you know, years ago, uh, you know, I was with a friend of mine and we had, we had gone to uh, a guy who was literally a millionaire. He was an owner of a baseball team. And we went to his home to kind of just chat with him a bit. He had his vault downstairs of all this baseball memorabilia and different things that were there. And he had a copy of like a Honus Wagner uh, baseball card. And it was, you know, it was worth millions of dollars, of course. And there's only like, I think nine or 10 of them in the whole world at this point. I don't know what the number is, so don't fact check me on it. I just know there's very little of them. But anyway, he had these other things in his house, like trinkets and things that he had bought over the years that were valuable to him, and they all had a story attached to them. And you could tell that whenever he told a story about that particular trinket, it, it brought some sort of liveliness out of him. You know, there was, there was just kind of this life-giving moment that would trickle out of him. And I, I don't want to even say it would trickle out of him. It would be more like, uh, you know, Again, not an explosion, somewhere in between, okay, somewhere between an explosion and a trickle of excitement that would come out of this gentleman when he got to tell the story behind whatever it was that he owned or that he had that had been made for him or given to him or, or whatever. And I'm not just saying this, that millionaires are the only ones that have these stories. You could probably think of something yourself that you own or that someone gave to you, I hope, that has great value for you, that you keep maybe close to the vest, you know, maybe a significant other made something for you years ago, or you made something for another person, they've told you about it, like, oh, yes, you know, I always keep that close to me, because you made it, and it's special to me, and it always reminds me of this. There are times when the different forms of art or things that we own have a story attached to it that gives us a great memory, and gives us sort of this life-giving sustenance 
that can help us be picked up on a dreary day. And I think, again, even in times that are good, uh, you can still have that, of course, when things are plentiful, when resources are flowing, when the spice flows, for anyone that catches that reference in this episode, when the spice flows, uh, you're still going to have that good memory, right? You're still going to have that great story still attached to whatever that item is, whatever it is that has given you life over the years, it's going to bring some sort of vibrance back. You know, I, I often think about, you know, like my first girlfriend, uh, you know, notes that were made and given to me and there were drawings on them and there were pictures and those were all, all very sentimental and they were nice, you know, as, as a young person, of course, until you break up and then you, everyone rips those up and throws them away. But it, for some people, they keep those. They put them in like a shoebox or they in their attic or somewhere and you always pull that out. I mean, I got rid of all mine since I got married, but, but, I had, but some that I had had in a previous life. Uh, it's kind of neat to go back to those and say, oh, this is kind of neat. That This reminds me of a good story that goes with this, that goes with this trinket, with this thing that was made, a story that was told for me, and now I have a story with it. So regardless if we have lots of resources, regardless if we don't have a lot of resources, there is sort of a life-giving sustenance that we can get from art and different varying forms of it. You know, one thing that that is very helpful in times of you know, stress is to work out. But another thing is to maybe dance, uh, you know, an expression, music, right? Like music ends up becoming a very powerful form of fighting back against, uh, you know, sort of negativity. Uh, I don't like using the term like negative energy or things like that or negative vibes. I don't, I don't really like that terminology. So more so, you know, like a spirit of death or a spirit of famine, perhaps a spirit of of desperation or fear. I mean, a spirit of fear is by no doubt gripping a lot of people right now. Uh, a spirit of anxiety is gripping a lot of people right now. And when you have a good song, when you have a good, uh, you know, sort of musical score somewhere in your mind that you can call upon, that's going to lift you up for a while and you can carry that tune with you, it does do something. It does make you think a little more positive. Uh, it does make you focus and maybe turn your lens a bit towards something that could be life-sustaining, something that could be material that you maybe hadn't thought of because of the fact that you were in the doldrums or you were in a place of desperation. So, you know, again, kind of coming full circle again on this question, to me, art form and expression feeds us in a way that can maybe turn us towards perhaps better options or maybe turn us towards the things that are better for us or that could be coming towards us on the horizon, that could give us some sort of hope for something off in the distance that hasn't quite arrived yet. And I think this is a very interesting uh, thing that can happen for anybody, whether times are good or times are bad, that we often lean into those places more so than not, uh, when we don't have immediately, you know, that that sort of the bread in front of us or that meal in front of us or that next paycheck in front of us. We just don't have that right away. And uh, I just feel as though that's the real value that a creative person can can have in a time such as this, that a creative person can bring content that can be encouraging, uplifting, or maybe shift the focus a bit, uh, even though things are bad. I mean, this is not to say that you just put your head in the sand and you ignore everything. Right, that's not what I'm. I'm trying to promulgate, or, or um, I guess that's the right word for this. Anything I'm trying to endorse, whatsoever, is that you just stick your head in the sand. But this idea that that art and expressions of it 
can shift our focus from that spirit of fear, shift our focus from that spirit of death or famine or whatever it is that's causing us to think in, in terms of desperation and despair rather than hope and joy. Now, stories that are attached to these things, these other expressions, are obviously very powerful. And the symbolism that can come from these stories are obviously very powerful to, uh, as well. I mean, many people I know are every day hinging on what the latest ordinance is going to come down from the governor of their state or from the, you know, from the federal government as well. It seems as though every day for the last week and a half, two weeks, specifically here in the United States, there has been an update of some kind nearly every single day. Every single day there's been a new update. Here's the new story. Here's what's going on. Here's the the series of events that's taking part. And whether you like it or not, the, the jockeying of the federal government's sort of decrees or the local government's decrees and then sort of the, the journalist pushback that happens, uh, which I could totally go down the rabbit hole on, on with this episode, but I'm not going to, uh, provides us with a narrative. It provides us with a series of stories being strung together that we can begin to see and put our own pieces together. Hey, where's this headed? You know, like, where is this leading to? And is it contributing to that spirit of death or is it, com- is it contributing to that spirit of life? And that's why most journalists, if we can call them journalists, uh, have to put together stories because that's how we, in many ways, communicate information to one another is we have to create a story and then present it to people so they can follow it and put together those events. And again, whether or not they deem the story to be credible is one thing, but it does orient us with a certain posture when we hear that story, does it make us feel hopeful? Does it make us feel like we are heading towards dark times? You know, there's there's different ways that you can posture that. And this is the really unique thing too, I believe, which is why I'm going to be starting up a new podcast soon called The Narrative Wars. Uh, I think it's really unique because as much as information is shared with people, how much data is dumped towards individuals, every single person, every person you've ever met in your life, has some sort of worldview that they operate under. There's some way that they see the world and they see events playing out. They put the pieces together and they have a narrative in their head that this is the way things are going or this is the way things ought to be. And no matter what kind of statistics you might throw at them, no matter what kind of data report or analyst uh, who has you know five degrees uh, PhDs in different topics that they're that they're arguing about, unless that worldview ever is consciously shifted in some way, that person is always going to hold true to their narrative, to their story, because that's the way they see the world. That's the way they want to see the world. Uh, so more on that, of course, in uh, future episodes uh, as we go forward. Um, but uh, but story is so so powerful, and especially at a time right like right now. It's powerful in the way we get information. It's the power. It's powerful in the way that uh, we, re- you know, we can receive it and interpret it, and then go about our, our day. And it either leads us down this path of hope, or it can lead us down this path of death. And uh, me personally, you know, again, like I said, I try to be the eternal optimist. I, I, I may speak sometimes a lot of life towards people, but internally, I'm, I'm always weighing the costs. I'm always trying to sh- troubleshoot things and 
paddling very furiously underneath uh, the surface. But but in many instances, I do find myself trying to rest in hope rather than resting in despair, because uh, you know, as we know, um, once you start to rest in despair, it becomes harder and harder to come out of that. Uh, which is again a very interesting uh, thing that art, good art, good expression, good stories, good you know paintings and and uh, you know, poetry and you know just sculptures and crafts, all these kinds of things. All of these can bring us out because of what it can inspire in us to go go after. You know, like have you ever seen a? Uh, I'll maybe bring it in for a landing with this. Have you ever seen a really compelling? Uh, I don't want to say painting, but some sort of art that you've seen before, like something like a, a brilliant tapestry, or maybe you were out walking on a nature trail and you saw a waterfall and you just struck with awe by it. You just went, whoa, that is cool. Like, that's really neat. Like, that's real beautiful, you know, uh, or you saw a stream or there was animals uh, somewhere and you saw an animal out in the wild that hopefully not like a, you know, a major predator that could hurt you, but you saw something very beautiful. And it struck you and it caught your eye. And it, it took you into a place where you had to take pause, right? Those are those moments where I feel like the beauty of really good art, really good story can, again, orient us, make us pause even, and shift our posture from things. And, I'm, and again, I'm not saying this is sticking our heads in the sand. I'm not saying this is just a, being ignorant to everything that's going on around us. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But it does shift us in terms of where our lens is and maybe what we're looking at at any given moment. So uh, so there, to me, is my uh, sort of analysis of art in a time of crisis. What can art be used for in a time of crisis? Well, obviously, it can be used for good things. Uh, and there's many mediums through which we can do this. You know, sharing good pictures, you know, working on a craft. There's even expression that you can do individually. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that you're just absorbing from somebody else. It can be something that you are making. Uh, you know, I guess this podcast could, uh, you know, could count towards that for me. You know, if I was uh, sort of a simulated person and I would have, you know, sort of a, you know, booster uh, uh, scale over my head, maybe I'm boosting my my positive mood right now by doing this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that's the role that that creativity and art and uh, just good story can play for us in a time like this when there is a lot of uncertainty and we're not really sure where things are going to go. Uh, but it can help to reorient us in the proper direction. So, uh, so yes. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writer's Lens. I uh, hope to get back with you guys again soon this week. Uh, stay healthy and stay safe out there. Uh, if you are in a state that is under the quarantine or the, the two week stay at home shelter and whatnot, do your best to come to, uh, heed those orders, right? I know there's a lot of people out there with a lot of thick, thick prides and, uh, they just think, you know, I'm oblivious or I'm impervious to this thing. I don't, I don't need to heed anyone's warning. Look, this is, this is a moment to shine, and show that you know we can think about more than just ourselves. And that is a challenge I'm making to anyone who's listening to this that would heed that. So, all right, have a healthy uh, and uh, safe rest of the day, uh, everyone. And I hope to catch up with you guys again very shortly. This is Josh Yasiel Felto for the Raiders Live.